Would you consider yourself a hopeful person? If you were to place yourself uh, somewhere on this scale, kind of scale that's going to come up in a minute there, somewhere on this scale between cynicism and despair on one end and hopefulness on the other, where would you find yourself this morning? Now, if you find yourself kind of on the lower end of that hopefulness scale, you are not alone. Okay, throughout history, there have been major figures that have raised suspicion about hope and about whether, it's not, or whether or not it's even actually a good thing for us to hold on to in light of all of the, the letdowns and challenges that we're bound to face over the course of our lives. Plato, for example, called hope a foolish counselor. Can't trust it. Can't trust it. Nietzsche referred to it as the most evil of evils. He's been through some stuff, eh? The most evil of evils because it prolongs man's torment. Benjamin Franklin once said, he that lives upon hope will die fasting. Ooh, ouch. It's a quote to put up on your bulletin board, eh? And in our world today, it's easy to see how people could arrive at similar conclusions. Right? I mean, think of everything that we've been dealing with over the, the last few years. Between the pandemic and the social upheaval and the political conflicts and the economic crisis, right? the personal losses and challenges, the murder hornets. Do you guys remember the murder hornets? We never got them here, right? But just looking at the pictures was hard enough. Uh, the last few years have really kind of dealt us one blow after another without giving us much of a chance to catch our breath between them. So is there really any room for hope in the new normal? In the broken world that we're living in, hope is one of those things that can feel like it's hard to find and even harder to hold onto. And yet, again and again, Scripture tells us that hope is real and that hope is ours to experience and that the hope that we have in Christ can carry us through even the most difficult circumstances. And so we find ourselves often in this tension. So how do we get there? How do we get from where we are today to a place of hope? What does it look like to be people who live lives that are shaped by the reality of hope, even in the broken world that we're living in today. We are in uh, the second week of a series called Three Things Remain. And in this series, we're looking at faith, hope, and love. The three things that Paul said matter more than anything else when it comes to how we live as followers of Jesus. The three things that move us forward from where we are now into eternity. Three things that give shape and direction to our lives in the kingdom of God. And Paul talks about these virtues in a letter that he wrote to a, a church in a place called Corinth, right? The, the book of 1 Corinthians. And in this letter, Paul addresses all kinds of issues that had surfaced in this church. 
And one of the issues that he had to deal with was the reality that people were kind of like competing and comparing themselves to each other and ranking each other based on who had the most impressive, the flashiest spiritual gifts. And so Paul offers them some correction to that, right? And we looked at that last week. And then he kind of zooms out and he realigns his readers with what they should be focusing on as they live out their lives of faith. So chapter 13, uh, verses 12, 12 to 13, read this. I'm gonna read it from the message. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in the fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. He says, we are living in this broken world. On this side of heaven, we don't really see things as they are. But one day God's kingdom is going to arrive in all of its fullness. And when that happens, everything else is going to be put into its proper perspective. And the three things that guide us forward and keep us on track from here to there are faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. They're words that we talk about a lot in the church, words we're very familiar with, words that we like. Right? Words that make for really inspiring mugs, home decor, tattoos, you know? But we don't always spend a lot of time thinking about what these words really mean or about what it looks like to live them out in practice. And last week, we talked about faith. And we looked at how the word faith really actually just means trust. To have Faith, to live with faith, means to live with a deep sense of trust that God is who God says that he is, that God is with us, and that God always uh, keeps his promises, right? And at the end of the message, we had a couple of our elders come on up to the front, uh, Brent and Aaron, and they shared their perspectives on faith and about what it looks like to live it out in their own lives. And this morning, we're going to be talking about hope, And after the message, we're going to have two of our leaders, two of our deacons, uh, Beth and Michelle, come on up to the front, and they're going to uh, share a little bit about what hope looks like in their lives and kind of their perspectives on it. So, what is hope? What is hope? Think about that for a second. How would you define hope? Sometimes when we use the word hope, we use it uh, to talk about our desires, right? The things that we want to come true. Like, we hope that the Toronto Maple Leafs will win all of the hockey games, right? There's one for the sports people. Or we hope that we will have nice weather on our vacation. It's the things that we we wish for, right? The things that we want to happen. But biblical hope is different than that. Hope is actually a theme that's woven throughout the entire Bible, right? All the way from Genesis through to Revelation. And biblical hope isn't just wishful thinking. It's not just looking at the glass as being half full, 
It's not looking at the world through rose-tinted glasses. When the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about something that's much deeper than just being optimistic. Eugene Peterson defines hope this way. He says that hope is a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. A confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. Optimism isn't strong enough to hold when the world falls apart around us, is it? We all have times in our lives where we can no longer deny the fact that the glass is actually starting to get pretty empty. And true hope comes from knowing that regardless of how dark and difficult things might feel at any given moment, God is still on the throne. And he's going to do what he promised he would do, which is make all things new. Our hope as followers of Jesus is rooted in the resurrection. Peter, who we all know and love, one of uh, Jesus' disciples, talks about resurrection hope this way in 1 Peter 3 to 9. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Did you catch that? So he says, In Christ, we have new life, and this new life is characterized by a living hope. Hope that's real, hope that's active, hope that's unshakable. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the, the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So he's drawing on this image of refining gold, right? And you would think that when you put gold into a fire that it would be destroyed, like when you put something into the fire that it would be destroyed. And he's saying that's kind of what it's like when you go through these trials, uh, just as gold uh, is, is refined and the impurities are removed as it's in the fire. It's kind of like what your faith is, is like. You know, and your, as you go through these trials, your faith is being made pure and the impurities are being removed. Verse eight, though you have not seen him, seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So Peter uh, talks about two aspects of salvation that fill these believers uh, with hope. These are people who were living through persecution, who were being ostracized in their communities. And so there are people who could probably use a little bit of a reminder of hope, right? And the first aspect of salvation that he talks about is oriented towards the future. 
His readers could face all of the grief that they were dealing with and all of the the trials that they were going through with hope because they knew how this story was going to end with resurrection. They knew that one day God was going to make all things new. And they would would have an inheritance in the kingdom of God that could never be taken from them. Francis Chan has an illustration that he uses uh, to put this in perspective. Some of you are probably familiar with it. It's really helpful. Uh, But what he does is he pulls a rope up onto the stage, a really long rope. And he says, imagine this rope just like goes on and on forever. That you could like drag it all around the world. And that this, this rope represents the timeline of your life. And then he pulls, he, he points to like a small little section right, on one end of the rope. And he says, if this rope is a timeline, this little tiny section represents the years of your life that you will spend here on earth. Right? And the rest of the rope that like circles around and around the world endlessly represents eternity, which you will spend in heaven with Jesus. And it's a really powerful illustration, right, to put things into perspective because most of us spend all of our time, really, all of our time completely consumed with this little tiny section uh, of our life on earth. When really there's this much bigger picture, right, this this endless uh, reality that we have to look forward to of eternity with Jesus. So Paul essentially says to these believers, yes, you're suffering, and yes, it's hard, but don't forget that it's temporary. And you can have hope in the midst of it because you will be spending eternity healed and whole in the presence of the God who made you and who loves you, and that is an inheritance that nobody can take from you, regardless of what you live through here on earth. And there's another aspect of salvation that Peter talks about this passage, in this passage too. It's a little bit easier to miss. Uh, another source of hope. So let's look at verse three again. Peter says that Jesus has already given us new birth. He's already given us new birth into a living hope. And remember that in scripture, salvation always starts when? Later? No, salvation always starts now, God's kingdom has broken into the world through Jesus Christ, and even now, we get to experience glimpses of it as God's spirit works in us and through us. To live with hope is to be able to imagine what resurrection would look like in the world around us. It's having eyes to see how God's light is breaking in to situations of darkness, and then to join God in the good work that he's doing in our world to bring about his goodness and his life, all the while knowing that the battle's already been won and that one day God's gonna make all things new and that we'll spend eternity with him. You know when you get to the end of winter, maybe you have a similar experience to me, when you get to the the end of winter and it just like, it feels like it's never gonna end, you know that feeling? Kind of beginning of March usually. When you're like driving uh, to work in the morning and it's dark and you drive home from work in the evening and it's dark (laughs) and your feet have been like wet and cold for four months, you know, and it's cold and it's dreary. It just feels like it's going to go on and on forever. And then one day you notice 
the first little crocus flower is bursting forth out of the ground. And it fills you with hope because it's beautiful, but also because it reminds you that springtime is coming. And then one day, you're sitting down eating dinner and you notice it's still light outside. Eh? You know, you know when that happens, right? And you're just like filled with hope. Again, just because it's good to have a little bit more sunshine, but also because it points ahead to what's coming. At the end of the winter, we don't like hold our breath and cross our fingers and sit back and wait to see whether or not spring is actually going to show up again this year. The signs of spring fill us with hope because they remind us of what we know to be true, that spring is on the way. And because spring is on the way, it somehow manages to make those dark, cold winter days that are left a little bit more bearable. And that's kind of what resurrection hope is like. All around us, there are these glimpses of resurrection, signs of God's power and his grace and his beauty. We see them in creation. We see them in our relationships, in other people. We see them as God works inside of us to bring about his healing and his transformation. And all of these glimpses of the kingdom point ahead to what's coming when God renews and restores all things. And so we're going to look a little bit about how we go about cultivating hope in our lives. But before we do that, we're going to talk about a few of the things that kind of tend to pull us off course, that get in the way of our ability to live as hope, hopeful people. We're going to look at the three biggest enemies of hope that I think we're up against in the world that we're living in today. So the first one, uh, one of the biggest enemies of hope is a common misconception that has really developed around the idea of what hope actually is. I think that a lot of us have adopted the idea that hope is always associated with happiness. That being hopeful means that ultimately, we have to stick our head in the sand and ignore what's going on in the world around us. Kind of like this meme here. Some of you have probably seen this. Have you seen this one? Right, this, this dog sitting at the table just enjoying a cup of coffee saying this is fine as the world burns down around him. Sometimes we believe that being hopeful means we can't be honest about the pain that we experience or the evil and the injustice that's taking place around us. And when we buy into that belief, living with hope feels dishonest, insincere, right? Sometimes it even feels insensitive. And when life gets too hard and we can't fake it anymore, it can feel like we have no real choice but to walk away from faith altogether. But in scripture, it's in the midst of the darkest situations that hope breaks in. Scripture is way more comfortable speaking honestly about the pain and the brokenness of our world than we are. The Psalms paints a beautiful picture of what it looks like to cry out to God about what's going wrong, but then to come back again and again to that anchor of hope that carries us through. For example, uh, listen to Psalm 42. Uh, David says this, he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? 
Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Or look at Psalm 88. It says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Do you ever pray like that? This is in the Bible. These were worship songs. Can you imagine? Can you imagine coming here on a Sunday morning and singing songs like this? You remember me no more. We are cut off from your care. You know, these are not what we're used to in terms of worship songs. But the Psalms teach us that we have a God who can handle our most raw and honest thoughts and feelings. He wants us to be real with him about where we're at and about how we're processing the challenges that we face. And when we bring our whole selves to him, what we find is that he meets us there and that he renews our hope even in the midst of the challenges, even while we're still wrestling with our doubts and our struggles and our unanswered questions. I love John 1 verse 5. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We don't need to pretend that the darkness isn't real or that it's not there. But we can be sure that God's light shines in the midst of it and that the darkness will never overcome it. Living with hope doesn't mean that we need to ignore the pain and the brokenness within us and around us, but it gives us a deep assurance that even there, God's with us. And somehow, even when we can't see it in the moment, even when we don't know how it could be possibly true, resurrection is on the way. The second major enemy of hope in our world is cynicism. Sound familiar to anyone? Cynicism. It's a belief that nobody can be trusted, that human beings are always driven by selfish motives, and ultimately there isn't really any hope for humanity. Cynics are people who are really good at finding the darkness, even in the brightest of situations. Do you know any of those people? My guess is that you do, because cynicism is all around us. Jamil Zaki is a psychology professor at Stanford, Stanford University. He specializes in studying cynicism. And he says that we are living through a cynicism epidemic. And to be fair, it's not hard to look around and to come up with all kinds of reasons to justify having a negative outlook on everything. But while cynicism might make for funny jokes and for good memes on the internet, 
You know, and I'm a millennial, that's my bread and butter, I get it. It doesn't make for very good relationships. And it doesn't make for a very good life because it blinds us to the ways that God is on the move in the people around us. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be people who aren't afraid to look darkness in the face and call it what it is, but who always have eyes that are open for the ways that God is working to bring about his kingdom. And the third enemy of hope is our tendency to place our hope in things that are bound to disappoint us. We're all prone to this, right? So often we put our hopes in things turning out a certain way in our relationships or our careers or with our health or our finances. And when challenges come and those things don't go the way that we imagined they would, it feels like everything's been lost. Hebrews 6 verse 19 talks about our hope in Christ as an anchor for our souls. And if we think about hope as an anchor, we're all really prone to anchoring ourselves to things that really just can't bear the weight of it. We're bound to have successes and failures and ups and downs in all of these different areas of our lives. And the only source of hope that will hold steady throughout all of it is the hope that's found in Christ. In Romans 5, verse 5, Paul's talking about our hope of salvation, and he says, This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Isn't that beautiful? This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. So those are uh, some of the enemies of hope that we might have to deal with. But how do we go about cultivating hope in our lives? There's a verse in uh, the book of Romans. It's really short and sweet. It's really just a short blessing. But it's a verse that I think offers a lot of insight into this question. And so we're going to look at that. In Romans 15, verse 13, Paul says, May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read that again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hope comes from the God of hope. It's not something that we need to try really hard to work up within ourselves. Hope is found in the living presence of God. And it's his Holy Spirit working in us that empowers us to be people who overflow with hope. Our job is to have hearts that are open to receive all of the hope that God has for us and then who let it overflow to others. And so there's no easy three-step formula that will get us there, but we do have a role to play. And there are practices that we can engage in that will really help us to cultivate hope in our lives. So we're going to look at four of those uh, before we wrap up this morning. The first practice is this. Bring your whole self to God. Bring your whole self to God. Be honest with God about all of the pain and the doubt and the struggles that you're dealing with. 
So often, we try to work through those parts of our lives on our own. We feel like we need to fix them, to get them cleaned up before we can come to God. But it's hard to let God's light break into our darkness if we aren't willing to hold it before him and to name it for what it is. And so spend some time in the Psalms. Give yourself permission to pray with David's honesty. Journal your prayers out if you're the kind of person who finds that helpful. And as you do, let yourself keep coming back again and again to what you know to be true of God, like David does. That God is good, that he's with you, that he's faithful, that he always keeps his promises. Secondly, lean into your relationships with others. So often, when we go through hard times, we tend to pull back both from God and from other people. But that's really when we need our relationships the most. Research shows that our connectedness to others is one of the best predictors of hope. When we're struggling to find hope on our own, sometimes it's something that we need to borrow from other people. And when we have a little extra, it's something that we can give to those who need it. This is why God designed us for community. I listened to a TED talk a little while ago by a woman who was a victim in the Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City bombings. And she was in a really awful situation. It took the first responders a long time to get for her, uh, to, to rescue her. She wasn't sure whether she was gonna make it. She was severely injured. But as she was strapped to a gurney, waiting to get into an ambulance, she noticed that cars were driving around uh, with their headlights on. And they told her that people uh, were turning on their lights to show support for the victims. And she said that it was in that moment that she knew that somehow she was going to be okay. That as a community, that they were going to get through it. It's amazing how far the smallest acts of love can go to offer somebody hope when they need it. Hope grows in our lives as we lean into our relationships with people we can trust. And the third practice uh, that cultivates hope in our lives is this. Do something. Do something. Let hope drive you to action. Because remember, hope isn't just a feeling. It's confident, alert expectation that God is on the move, that God is bringing about his kingdom. And how does God love to bring about his kingdom most in our world? Through us, through his people. Right? Hope changes the way we see the world. It gives us the ability how God's kingdom could break into the situations that we face every single day. And as we listen to the spirit and as we step out in, our, in obedience, our hope will grow as we see God working as we see him moving in the ways and in places that maybe we never imagined that it could, that he could. And the fourth practice is to remember how the story ends. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Our infinite hope is found in the resurrection. 
in the promise that we have, that regardless of what we face here on earth, that our future is secure, that we'll be spending eternity healed and whole with the God who made us. And faith really is having the courage to hold our joy and our gratitude in one hand and our pain and our struggles in the other and to just hold them both before God but with our feet both rooted firmly in the reality that we have this eternal promise that in the end he will renew and restore all things. He's making all things new. There's a book that's called Hope Rising. Uh, It's not actually a Christian book. It's a book that's based on research that's been done out of the University of Oklahoma on uh, the topic of hope. They actually have a whole research center there that's dedicated to hope. It's very cool. Uh, But the authors are actually people of faith. They're Christian. And there's a chapter in the book where they talk about how their research lines up with the hope that we're called to in Scripture. And they close the book with a, a piece of writing that I think is really powerful. Uh, So we're going to close with that today. I'm just going to invite you to just listen. Um, It's called When. So they say, when we feel trapped in the pain of today, hope reminds us that we need not be there forever. When we feel stuck in looking back, hope calls us to look forward. When we have given everything to others, hope helps us replenish our heart, mind, and body. When we're demoralized, hope can point us towards friends to lift our spirits. When we lose our way, hope can give us back a roadmap for our lives. When we fear the worst, hope reminds us that God is still in control. When we're hurting from the actions of others, hope is a pathway to resilience. When we must accept the consequences of our mistakes, hope lifts us out of shame. When our heart is broken, hope offers us the courage to look forward to healing. When the diagnosis is grim, hope calls us to the battle for survival. When we're forced to sit back and wait on a dream, hope gives us the patience to trust. When we feel bound in the darkness of despair, hope reminds us that there is a way to the light. When a dream does not come true, hope lights the fire to dream again. When we feel rejected and abandoned, hope reminds us that we can still love and be loved. When we feel gripped by rage, hope is not far away. When we say goodbye to those we love, hope reminds us that the best is yet to come. I'm going to invite Beth and Michelle to make their way on up to the front. We're going to have a conversation about hope. And as we do that, I'm just going to invite you to join me in a practice. We're going to do a little bit of a posture prayer that's based on that, uh, that reality that you know, we're called to hold both our joy and our, and our struggle uh, before God, but with our, our feet rooted in the reality of resurrection. And so I'm going to invite you to just join me in this posture prayer. Um, first, I'm going to invite you to just take a minute Oh, uh, we're getting set up here. I know it might seem a little chaotic. <laughs> I was going to invite you to just take a moment uh, to center yourself in God's presence. I'm just going to take this. To let yourself be reminded uh, that God's here, that he's with us, that he's with you. He's as close as the air that we breathe. And then I'm going to invite you to just hold one hand up. 
and to imagine yourself holding in that hand the things that have been giving you joy lately. What's been giving you joy lately? Just imagine holding them in your hand and just hold them before God in gratitude. you to hold up your other hands, just open it up, and to reflect on the things that have been weighing you down lately, your pain, your struggles, your doubts. Just imagine yourself holding those in your hands and hold those things before God in prayer. And now as you hold both your joy and your pain before God, let yourself feel both of your feet on the ground. And to be reminded of the reality that you have this promise of resurrection, that through the ups and the downs, the joy and the sorrows, that you can hold on to hope, knowing that you will spend all of eternity healed and whole in God's presence. How does that change your perspective? on the things that you're holding in your hands. Just take a moment to reflect on that. God, we thank you that you are a God of hope. That as dark and as difficult as things might seem in the midst of the challenges that we go through, that you are real that you're on the throne, that we can trust you. God, we know that you're faithful and that you're good. And God, in this world that's so uh, tempted towards cynicism, this world where it can feel like hope is difficult to hold on to, God, I pray that you would help each of us to be people who turn our hearts towards you, the God of hope, so that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can transform us to be people whose lives overflow with hope. God, and may we be just a witness to the world of how good you are and of, of how great the news of the gospel really truly is so that your kingdom could spread to the people around us. We love you. We trust you in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I guess you still need to hear me too, eh? So, so in the habit of turning off my mic. Uh, <laughs> Yes, uh, we've got uh, Beth and Michelle with us. Uh, Beth and Michelle are two of our deacons. I, they probably look familiar to you. Uh, Michelle is our deacon of mission, so she's been in that role for quite some time, for years. And uh, one of the cool things uh, that Michelle does is, uh, uh, during COVID, uh, it's been twice a month, um, is leading the first serving dinners kind of on behalf of our church uh, down at First Baptist. And so Michelle just really has a heart to see God's love experienced by people who really need it and to show that in practical ways. And uh, so, yeah, it's a gift to have her on our leadership team. And then we have Beth. Beth is the deacon of spiritual formation. Uh, so she has been working really hard, especially during this transition. Uh, we used to work together. Now she mostly <laughs> has taken the reins on her own, um, putting together the resources to kind of lead you through spiritual practices on an ongoing basis to help you draw closer to God. Uh, Beth is also, in many ways, my right-hand gal over the summer. She has been working full-time, helping with some admin, helping with uh, Plan to Protect and the website. And so, uh, yeah, super thankful for Beth. All right, 
So this is just a chance to hear from, uh, from Beth and Michelle to glean some of their wisdom about the topic of hope. So I'm just going to throw out a few questions uh, to them, and yeah, we'll see where it goes. So just talked a little bit of, about hope uh, and, and what it means, but is there anything you'd want to add to like the definition, like what is hope, and what does it look like to live as people of hope uh, in our world? This is working. I'll go it's first. Working. Yep. Uh, so how do I define hope? Um, what I think of for me is um, I envision hope being given to me from God, mm. like it, it wasn't there, and now it is there. <laughs> like faith is a tiny mustard seed, uh, hope is a glimmer, mm. and we say a glimmer of hope, and it can grow to, to shine and to stand out. Um, I see hope completely connected with faith, and I put my faith or trust in God, and I have hope he is in control. Because he's in control, I have hope because he's in control. Um, his plan is working out as it should, and there are no surprises for him. He is the ultimate victor, and we don't have to worry because he loves us and he cares for us, and we are his children. So hope is a reassurance, a positive power to keep us moving forward onto the goal of building his kingdom and being a blessing. Yeah, awesome. It's so true. Like, hope and faith go hand in hand, really, right? And you can see that a lot in, in scripture. Beth, what do you think? Um, I don't have quite as much <laughs> to say. Okay. Uh, but I was just trying to think of, like, hope is kind of elusive. It's not a tangible thing that you mm -hmm. can, that's easy to describe, or it's not something you can hold on to. But I was kind of thinking... It's like a tree that has deep roots that go down, mm -hmm. that get the water even when there's no rain, and then sustains the tree, you know, through droughts, through... So that's kind of the image I had in my head. You mean you don't have enough. That's <laughs> profound. That's beautiful. It's so true, right? Yeah, that, that's really a, a good image for it. Um, how does our hope in Christ carry us through difficult situations? Have you ex experienced that or seen that? Um, well, there have been a lot of difficult times lately, mm. uh, lots, and over the past few years I know I wasn't alone in feeling hopelessness and hopelessness that's tied with helplessness, mm. and uh, it didn't last for just a short time either. It yeah. was uh, dragged on in fear and uncertainty, and I'd try to coach myself, and often I'd say, um, you know, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> um, but I think... For those of us who uh, have children, the worst always involves them and their future. And, uh, but all we really have is, is now, is today. Mm. And so I just muster up my courage and uh, figure out how to do my best to help the kids in my life understand hope. And uh, hope is hope in our God, our Father, uh, who loves us and cares about us and how he created the universe and, uh, sorry, <laughs> if we can focus on his goodness and choose to thank him and praise him and serve him whenever we can, then we will see in ourselves more than a glimmer of hope. And also one other small thing, it was not that small actually, I, uh, when people tell me that they're praying for me, uh, this brings me tremendous hope. Hmm. That's powerful. Just that ability to like lend and borrow hope. Right? And even just through offering our prayers to each other, that's, that's powerful. 
Uh, but I love that. I love just the honesty, right? And just how powerful it can be, how really I think essential it is to living with hope, to being able to say, I'm really struggling to have hope and to name that and then to let God meet us there, right? So, so that it can, uh, just like the roots that go down, it can grow from that place. Yeah, Beth. Um, so I was thinking of a specific time not related to COVID, but um, after... <laughs> there was a world, there's a world. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Um, so when my mom passed away, that was a significant time of grief. And if you had have asked me about hope then, I probably would have said, I don't know. I don't know if I have hope. Yeah. But in retrospect, I know that it was hope that was kind of pulling me along yes. through that. And... Um, you know, God really heals those tender places if you sit with him and you let him. Um, and it can be hard to reconcile, like, the hope we have, but with the current reality that we're in. Yeah, there's a so, tension there. Yeah, 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 the right now and not yet yeah, tension. Totally. So. Yeah, Yeah, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Um, if you think about kind of the world that we're living in, uh, what impact do you think that the church could have if... Like the people who made up our, our, our churches really lived in hope. What difference do you think that would make in our world? I think if we're living with hope, we will stand out. Um, we'll be notably different. Yeah. And we should be positive people, always looking for the good and building each other up. I think hope should bring us to say yes to the opportunities in front of us, like volunteering and uh, doing something harder outside of our comfort zone can be a gift, our gift to God. And these are the experiences that can grow our glimmer of hope into full-on shining for Jesus. It's true. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a, a nerd, so I got really, there's actually like a ton of like research around hope. Like I said, like the University of Oklahoma, they have a whole research center that's dedicated to hope. And one of the things that they, they really say, like uh, again and again, the research is that hope is always active. Like it always involves doing something, right? And as I was thinking about it and in, in, in terms of scripture, like that's so true, right? Think about the apostles and the disciples, that their hope in Christ always drove them uh, to action. And so, yeah, like serving and just like living our lives in a way where we're expecting that God is on the move. And when we live with, with that, that hope, with that expectation, uh, it's going to drive us to action in, in, in small ways and in big ways. So that's cool. I love how you said that. Check out the research if you're a nerd. <laughs> Beth? <laughs> Um, well, I think you touched on it in your sermon, but like kind of like the hope of the world is kind of fleeting and it's more like a wish, but I think, and again, you touched on it, our hope like, um, kind of shows up in joy, like even in the midst of suffering and difficult times, there's a, a joy that we have, um, that's kind of unexplainable in those situations, but it's still there. And I think, like you said, Michelle, people notice that it's a noticeable yeah. difference. Yeah. And what I love in like both of your answers is that it's like, it's not a dishonest joy either, right? It's a joy that's willing to say like, yeah, things are hard. There's times where I wasn't sure that I could even call it hope, right? But then like, yet nonetheless, there's this deeper sense of joy that we can experience. So that's cool. So what are some of the ways that you have experienced or that you've seen uh, can be helpful in terms of cultivating hope in our lives as followers of Jesus? Um, we can become more hopeful people by getting to know God's promises. Hmm. We can read about them 
read about his promises in scripture, learn them, memorize them, meditate on them. Uh, God gives us his promises so we can have hope. And just only finally this morning, a specific personal story came to mind, finally, <laughs> that I can share with you. Um, many of you already know that my brother was killed in a car accident uh, in 2003. And he was only 30 years old. And I was in desperate and terrible grief. And sleep, um, sleep didn't last long, and it wasn't restful. Um, and every time I woke up, I would pick up the little Gideon's Bible that I had been carrying around, and uh, I'd turn to John 14, only because God led me there. And uh, in John 14, I, I just read it over and over and over and over and over and over every day for a very long time. And uh, like this passage is filled with uh, some very big and clear prom promises promises that can firmly set hope in your heart and mind. Um, again, you kind of said this in your sermon, but like, I don't think there's like a, like 30 days to more hope kind of situation. If you I mean, wrote that book though, you probably could sell it. Maybe I'll try. <laughs> People buy it. But it wouldn't um, work, yeah. But I think like it comes from intentionally cultivating like your relationship with Jesus, like Bible reading, listening, sitting with him, like taking the time, not just rushing through it. Um, and I think those are the ways that we build hope um, to have deep roots. Um, and also noticing the places where you find joy, whether that's nature um, and your children, those are glimpses that God gives us um, of hope as well, I think. Totally. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, as I was just reflecting this week, just how much uh, joy and hope I've been getting just by noticing the sunsets every day and paying attention to the moon and just like seeing it in nature. That's something over uh, COVID especially that's really grown, uh, just grown in me, that desire to just worship God through his creation. Because uh, when we can't find it in other places uh, of, of life or in our world, it's always there, right? And scripture talks about that, how, how creation attests to God's glory. Uh, so yeah, that's cool. Thank you so much uh, for sharing this morning, for being willing to come on up here. Can you guys say thanks to Beth and Michelle? It's awesome. All right, the worship team can come on up to the front. Uh, I'm just going to pray. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much uh, that, you, that we are your people, that you invite us to, to be your people. God, and thank you for the stories that we each have of how we've experienced your hope and uh, on, uh, just like have been able to live that out and let that radiate from us to other people. And God, I pray that as a church community that we would be people who catch glimpses of you uh, in the world around us and then who um, are able to let that reflect to others so that we can uh, invite other people into your kingdom. Um, yeah, we love you. In your name, amen. <laughs>